Hello, everyone. Welcome to the No Judgment Zone. I am Judge Adrian, your host for the next hour. While the topics are curated, the conversations are organic. I'm excited to have you join my guests and me as we discuss politics, current events, arts, and entertainment. Kick back and stay a while. You won't regret it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the No Judgment Zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd. I am so happy to present this next guest to you um, in honor of Foster Care Awareness Month, which is extremely important. A lot of people don't know much about Foster Care in the U.S. unless you've been somehow involved um, in honor of Foster Care Awareness Month. Um, I'm bringing you Miss Deanna Lakes. I'd like to state, though, that one of the important things to know is that over 400,000 children in the United States are actually in foster care, and over 117,000 children are in foster care awaiting adoption. And so this is really a critical issue. It certainly touches on the uh, communities of color um, in um, very high numbers, and so I thought it was important to extend this conversation, not only to people who work for the state and handle um, foster care uh, issues directly, but also others. So I wanna introduce to you again, Ms. Deanna Lake. She's here with me looking so beautiful. Thank hey, you, Deanna. Thank you. Hey, Adrian, how are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for being with us today. So listen, I'm, let me just thank you again for your willingness. When I asked you, would you, you know, come on the podcast and talk about what you do? You were very enthusiastic and I really appreciate, appreciate that. That's really what we need. So okay, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you have a company. Would you speak to um, just basically what you do with as it relates to foster care? Okay, thank you so much. Uh, again, my name is Deanna Lakes. I'm the, the owner and director of Building Bridges Between Families LLC here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we do have a statewide contract for foster home development. And what foster home development is where we meet and we assess and we evaluate different individuals that want to become foster parents. Um, we also teach impact class here. There's an actual class that's required in regards for all foster parents to become foster parents in the state of Georgia. We have two private um, contracts here with agencies, with foster care agencies, CPAs within Georgia as well. Um, we do anger management, life coach, as well as behavior aid for some of our foster children outside of uh, foster home development. Okay, that's excellent. So how did you get involved in doing this? Because you're the first person that I've met who's actually owned their own agency and provides those okay. kinds of services going in, certifying homes and, and actually providing the impact training. So how did you get started with that? Um, actually, well, I originally got my degree in psychology back in 2012. So I always had like a, I guess, a need for human service, want to know more about it, be a service to my community. Um, I started working at a mental health hospital called the Bradley Center in Columbus, Georgia. Then I started working at New Horizons um, with psychosocial rehabilitation. Um, I, I kind of wanted to get away from working with adults because I seen a need for children. Mm. I got a job working with the Department of Family and Children's Services in here in Atlanta. I originally worked with family preservation, and then I started working with the foster care unit. When I was working with the foster care unit, I realized how many children in the world are actually in foster care, but what was most scary, what was how many children was in Georgia? Oh, wow. um, I started working with some private agencies. I seen the need for more foster parents. And I seen also that foster parents didn't have like adequate training. What was issues with foster parents in regards to, it was a lot of things that they did not know. So as me being a person that I am, I said, I want to serve my community. I was like, okay, well, listen, how can I make myself more money, but also be a better service for my community? So that's what I did. I became independent in 2018 and I got my first contract with the state in 2019. So I've been with the state of Georgia contract. Uh, this is going on my third fiscal year and I've had two privates in the last year. So it was kind of like once you get in the field, you work with defects, you get that like firsthand experience and you see and you feel what these children are going through. It's kind of like that's what gives you the um, 
I guess that was kind of like my motivation for becoming independently, um, just to be able to help and do things kind of my way, put my touch on it uh-huh. um, in my experience. Wow, that's and I apologize for keep looking down. I'm actually got my notes here with me because I want to <laughs> make sure I hit all points with you guys. You're you're fine. You're fine. That, and that was really thorough. But talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you may have seen that um, either foster parents who already had children or um, families who wanted to become foster parents. What were some of the challenges that you may find or did find? when working with them? Were there issues like with the, the structure of the home or, the, you know? Okay, now like with the assessment process, how it works is it typically is you go file an application with the department or a private or public agency in regards to becoming a foster parent. Once you apply, you have to go through certain screens, then you have to do drug tests, you may have to do background screens, you may have to, uh, supply the department with the divorce decree. Oh, wow. So some of the challenge, yeah, some of the challenges that I face are validating that information, ensuring that it's correct, ensuring mm-hmm. that you're telling the truth. If you tell me, hey, I had a DUI, but I met all the qualifications. I mean, I met all the stipulations regarding it, so I qualify to be a foster parent now. Okay, I could go verify your criminal history. He had a DUI. He done every. He did everything that he was supposed to do. He does now qualify. Compared to if you had a DUI in Oklahoma, it's hard to go to Oklahoma, not typically go to Oklahoma, but contact Oklahoma to get a nationwide background check to verify that that information is true. Or if someone, um, say, was taking antidepressants or was under a psychiatrist's care and they're no longer under a psychiatrist's care, and we want to verify, hey, is this person mentally stable now to care for children? Which you can't be a mental health, um, went through mental health treatment and still become a foster parent, but it's certain things that we need to verify that information from you. Mm-hmm. And that can sometimes be a challenge, even with references for from adult children. Like some people that you know have adult children now, they're trying to foster again with younger children and trying to reach your adult children to say, hey. Can I have a reference for your mom or dad? Just let us know that, hey, they are you re- refer them to be a foster parent. That can be challenging because people had their own lives. I was just waiting on a um, reference from March. The department was contacting me about today, stating that they hadn't received yet from a family member. So they couldn't approve the lady's home because they oh, was wow. waiting on that reference. Right. So what I informed the young lady was to do, I reached back out to the family. I was like, hey, you might want to call your reference, you know, let her know that this is what's holding you up from that process. Submit this information to me or the department immediately and we can move forward. But sometimes that could be a challenge with getting this information and retrieving these information from these people and different entities. Wow. Yeah, I can imagine. And especially tracking down like, you know, doctor's information and the HIPAA laws and Correct. things like that could be Correct. really challenging. And then trying to we need to release the information from everything, anything yeah. health related. Wow. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So I I personally went through a foster care process when I was in New Jersey to become a okay. um, you know, a foster parent, a foster to adopt a parent. And um there was also like I had to go through like a medical screening and vision testing and all that. Is that the case in Georgia? Yes, ma'am, it is. You mm-hmm. have to have um, health evaluation. You have to have a TV shot. You also have to have a drug screening. Um, once you go get your health evaluation, there's several information that we'll ask uh, on the form to the doctors in regards to, can you live a child zero to three? Mm-hmm. Do you have any illnesses that um, may affect you in your parenting abilities um and we we look at those those are what's called the health evaluation we take all of that information included with um information that we've retrieved from your references documents that you submitted your background check as well as what we have now with the state of georgia we do what's called the safe questionnaire um, in regards to the safe questionnaire, we take all of the information and collaboratively make the uh, decision if we want to move forward with uh, approving or denying the home. Okay. 
Now, this is the challenge. Um, you know, again, in, in light of all the children that are still in foster care, you know, the fact that there is, there are, there seems to be not enough homes. And I think that that is like kind of like a, you know, it, it kind of has, it's a twofold issue because from what I've observed in talking to people, one of the issues is that um, they find that agencies around the country are not responsive. Like I have people who are like, oh, well, nobody got, you know, I call no one got back to me. And, and I can say for myself, even in New Jersey and even in here in Georgia, it, it's challenging, it's challenging. And then I think the other part is, I think people are afraid of that deep screening process. And I know the person who came to my home to screen me, she was like, I'm going to tell you, it's very intrusive. And I'm wondering, like, how do you get, you know, potential foster parents to stay on board as they're going through that process? Like, what, what how do you keep okay. people on, you know, on track? I think okay, we lost with, you for your, your visual. Okay, we got you. Okay. Um, that is hard. That mm-hmm. is a challenge. Like, just what we were going through with the pandemic, you know, yes. slowly coming out of pandemic. It was people who had been on hold for like a year. Okay. Yeah. So here I am, the contractor coming in to meet these individuals. Like, hey. at you. I'm like, where y'all been? Why y'all been <laughs> We've been living and we've been calling So we meet, I'm a people's person. Number one, you always want to apologize because you it's people's time. People time is very precious and it is important. So I always let them know and I tell them I'm I'm a very realist. I I let people know, hey, DFAX has more work than they have workers, than they have homes, than they have agencies. Is that the problem is that bad with children being in care, coming out of care, possibility of entering care? Is the workload is is a work every day of your life a child's gonna go into foster care? Yeah, a child's gonna exit foster care. Yeah. So the work is I, I try to let them know that and I explain to them that and I always tell them this. I say, hey, I know your process has been probably lengthy in the beginning, but now you're at the end. Okay. At the end means you have impact class and you have a home study. Those are typically the two last processes that takes place before you being approved or denied for a foster care. The process supposed to take four to six weeks. I try to do it within five weeks. Give us an extra week if we need anything to get it and you're not waiting. Okay. So I stick to my deadline. I meet, I make contact with the family the first week. I scheduled to meet with the family two weeks prior to that, giving us a gap in between each. So now we're at our third week. Okay. After we had our third week, I began to write the study. I began to write the study and I submit the study. The fifth week, waiting for DFAS, give them an extra week to double check and see if we need anything else from the family. Like now, the references again, this, you spoke about yeah, before. Yes, ma'am. We need a reference. Mm-hmm. If we need a um, release of information, anything additional that we may need from this family, um, we will get it at that time. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. D-Fags does not stick all the time to that strict deadline as I do. Okay. So I always tell people when I work with family, I say, hey, give it two weeks. After I submit my study, two weeks to 30 days, then, you know, call your case manager like, hey, I spoke to my contractor. She stated she submitted my study already. I just want a status update. There's no harm in it. That mm-hmm. way that you, you're That's keeping an excellent a, tip. Yeah, you're keeping a, a steady pace as to your your status of your home study, but you're also keeping a paper trail for yourself that way that you know the time process. One thing about defects is they request something from you. Try to get it to them as fast as you can. Okay. Um, me as a, a contractor, when I request information, I'm more hands on. Like I meet with you the first meeting. I make you get out of pencil and a piece of paper. And I say, hey, this is everything I need from you by the time we meet next time. Okay. You can text me, email it, fax it. I need that information. And that way that you're not waiting to the end 
Because I typically know what documents defects want. Mm -hmm. So you're not waiting to the end till we're done before I can get that information from you. Okay. And I th I, this information is so good because I think some people disqualify themselves because yes, maybe they did have a mental health issue that has been resolved or is under control. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you shared that that does not necessarily disqualify anyone as no. well as certain violations and maybe misdemeanors. What Correct. if they got, what if they have a felony? I know someone, unfortunately, you know, being a judge who had a felony, but wanted to become a foster parent, but in New Jersey. And I think they were excluded. Is that the same thing for Georgia? Or does it depend on the type yes. of offense? Yes and no. Again, okay. it depends on the type of offense. And I remember, remember I told you, it's a collaboratory. Your criminal okay. history alone, as long as it's nothing against children, like murder, robbery, nothing okay. against children, will automatically exclude you. Okay. Child abuse, anything okay. like that. Any criminal charges against children. If it's a deep-ass case and it's unsubstantiated, steady, if it's sus if it's substantiated, that means we found something. Yeah. Something was going on, some type of abuse. If it was unsubstantiated, that means that we didn't find anything. There was nothing there. It is, you know, it's, it, it's like it's just it was a report. And it's you fine. can get a waiver for that. Okay. Okay. Now, let's say you're a felon. Or... I lost you. We lost your volume. What about now? Gotcha. Okay. Yep, what good. if, you, for instance, say you're a felon for shoplifting, okay? Oh, okay. But you also lost custody of two of your children before. Mm. Okay. Um, you may have a past drug addiction. All of those together is like, we rate you. With the safe model, how we do is, 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 is we could do it's everybody's a two. Okay. That's Everybody how it starts works. out on level two. On two. Okay. The more instances you have, you go to a five. Okay. okay? So mostly everybody are two, but if you have a criminal history of a robbery, you're going to be a five. Okay. If you've been sexually assaulted, you're going to be a five. There's certain areas of how we rate you psychosocial. Your environment, your extended family, your personal characteristics, your history, meaning your childhood history, your criminal history. Um, we rate you based off your adoption issues. It's, it's, it's not just one thing that's going to stop you from fostering. Okay. People say, oh, I don't have a job. Mm -hmm. But have income. Okay, we have grandparents who do kinship care that's elderly. They right. get social security checks. Right. They get disability checks. They can still foster. Okay. We're human. Okay. Yeah. Everybody, I, I, I feel that people shy away from fostering because they feel that they're not going to get approved. Exactly. That's not the case. That's exactly. not the case. That's not the case at all. It is a very in-depth process. Mm -hmm. It do dig into a lot of your personal business. It does. It should. It should. Yeah. It's a children it we're talking about. Yeah. Correct. But I still encourage people to foster because the opportunity and the fulfillment that you will receive from it is, is overwhelming. Me as a case manager, I get overwhelmed by being able to license a home and then, hey, turn around, uh, see the child, and they're happy. Then the foster parent called me like, hey, Miss Lakes, I appreciate everything you taught me at Impact. I see it now. I was prepared for it. I'm good. Yeah. That's rewarding. It so is. I know if you have a child in your home, you'll People will feel the same. Yeah, it really is. I know it certainly was for me. So I wanted to clarify one thing. You said yes, if you had a history of sexual abuse, do you mean if you were a victim or if you were the perpetrator? Do you mean both? If, really? Correct. So if can you, you explain you that were, a little bit? If somebody was was a victim of sexual abuse, that would put them at a five? Meaning, okay, five isn't doesn't mean good or bad. Okay. okay. Okay, it's not it's not like saying, oh, if you're a five, you're the worst person ever. Hold on one second. Let me make sure I got you where I can get you closer. All okay. Right. 
because I want to make sure that people understand this. Okay. When you're at a five, it doesn't mean that it's something bad. It just means that it's considered like, lack of better terms, a red flag. Gotcha. This okay. is something that raises your attention. Okay. This is something that you want to look at. Okay. Okay. Now, if you was a victim of sexual abuse, let me tell you how that looks. Okay. I had a home where I had to deny one time before. She was a victim of sexual abuse to the point she couldn't even talk about it. Okay. Oh, when we were trying to talk about it and I was trying to ask her, okay, well, what did you do to cope with it? What did you do to um, basically overcome it? Mm-hmm. She was like, I still have it. You know, it's like, it's still on my mind. It's still a burden. PTSD. Wow. Okay. Wow. Now, yeah. it was other issues with the home as well. But what I'm going to explain on this end is, now imagine if I put a child in her home who had been sexually abused. Oh, my God. Yeah. Would right. that be a trigger for her? Right. Would she be able to give that child guidance and get that child the help that that child needs. Right, right. Okay? You have to look at these things in the long run for a child because some of our children coming to care, they t- they never told us that they've been sexually assaulted. And you find out down the road. That's so true. I was thinking about that. Our foster parents are yeah. the, normally the first ones to find out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if my foster so child comes in your home and they tell you that, how do I know that you are able to respond? Yeah. I'm talking to you now about it and you can't respond. Yeah. Those are crucial factors. Now, anybody that has any sexual abuse against a child, any type of physical, emotional abuse against a child, criminal, your chances of fostering are very slim, even if they're your own children, right? even if they're your own family. Yeah, members. that makes sense. If right. you were convicted, it's going to, I've seen people get waivers um, before for uh, substantiated cases, meaning like it may have been an abuse case, like a physical abuse case where dad may whoop child, left a mark or something similar to that. And mm-hmm. then maybe another child left his home and he was able to retrieve custody of it. I've seen things like that happen because a parent can be here re- rehabilitated. That's okay. what we are here for with DPEC. We do, we offer parenting classes, anger right. management, um, parent education, teen and parent education. We offer family counseling, individual counseling. So there is room for her rehabilitation, but when it comes to fostering, children now mm-hmm. that's for working with your own children right fostering children it's a little different it's very different absolutely mm-hmm. yeah that makes perfect sense i appreciate you explaining that so mm-hmm. let me ask you because I, and i love the fact that you are encouraging of people to come in and and do the yeah, foster care um what kinds of improvements do you think could be made to the system or to certain practices to encourage and also to retain foster care parents. Because when I went through the process, there were a group of, I think it was five women and um, a lot of people, well, five, we created our own little group within a group of people went to what's similar to the impact class and we created our own group and we're still very good friends to this day. And that was years ago. And, but a lot of them were like, I'm never doing it again. And it wasn't in Georgia, mind you. It was not in Georgia. It was in New Jersey. Yes, ma'am. But they just felt like the um, the process of not necessarily being approved, but just the day-to-day and the communication with the worker and the system and the court dates and everything. And it was just, there wasn't a lot of transparency. And I'm not really sure how that plays out in Georgia or any in any other state for those who are uh, listening and watching. But um, I know that there are similarities and, you know, in uh, different places. So I'm curious uh, from your perspective, like what kinds of improvements could be made? Um, definitely communication. Mm-hmm. Number one, due to the fact that when you communicate with someone, I, I've been a consumer as well as I've been a seller. Um, so therefore, if you're, we're at defects, we're given a product, supply and demand, okay? 
You, if the demand is high and it's supply out there, you should want to meet the need of the supplier. Sadly, it doesn't work like that. Okay. Yeah. I would definitely want to increase the recruitment of foster parents and how they are recruited. Okay. That's the first thing. Okay. We're asking about me. This is what I would do outside right. of the state, outside of my business. This is what I would do. Because the way you recruit foster parents, you could be able to tell them in the initial, in the beginning, hey, this is a long process. Right. It's not said to be long. It's not intentionally to be long. But we are giving you the authority, the power, the guardianship of these children. Somebody else, child, children. Yeah. We have to make sure that we are doing a thorough job of doing. Right. But we're going to ensure that it's not long and drawn out. Mm-hmm. So when you do the recruitment process for foster parents, I think that you should already have the paperwork that they're interested in doing. They should go ahead and have this information. That way they see, hey, do I want to go through all this? Exactly. Do I want to do all this training? List the qualifications out for them. Let them know that they have to take impact class. People do all the turning all these documents. They're like, we still got to do another training. <laughs> Because they don't, they're not prepared for it. And right. when I come to do the home study, they're like, oh, they already came to my house and do the safe audit. They came to my house and do this. But now realize totally this different. is something correct. So if it was laid out for a foster parent on a format, you know, like, hey, this is what happens on this week. This is what happened on this week. And stick to it. And stick to it. Because I'm going to hold us accountable too as a department. Right. Stick to it. These deadlines. I think that it won't be as challenging for foster parents, even though now it's a requirement that um, foster parents do take training um, yearly. Okay. You ha- you have to take a certain amount of continued hours of training yearly for as like water safety, mm-hmm. um, maybe autism. Yes. Training. It's just different trainers throughout the year that. We require for our parents to take, but let them know that in the beginning, in the recruitment process. Hey, you know, but in what I've seen more of this year and last year is more kinship care. Yes, I've noticed a move toward that across the country. Can you speak about that? Talk a little bit about that. Kinship care is basically family members or close family or friends that have now being able to become legal guardians for family members' children mm-hmm. and also being um, reimbursed by the department, mm-hmm. meaning receiving financial assistance outside of TANF, outside of um, food stamps. They receive EBT SNAP benefits. They receive the same benefit as a foster parent now. Right. Kinship care providers. So, you know, like um, back in history, more so grandparents would get grandchildren. Yep. Aunts would get yep. nieces and nephews. Where now they're all? being correct. And they did it for years. Yes. With no now help. They're be- with no help. Mm-hmm. With no help. Now, um, the state of Georgia, I'm not sure about nationwide. That's something I'll have to double check. But I know now the state of Georgia are reimbursing these families. Yeah. And more families are stepping up. Yeah. Because these children in care that doesn't don't feel they have family or have family, you have to be able and willing with the department. Okay. When these families feel like, well, I really want to get them. I I wish I can. I got the love to give them. I just can't. Afford. afford it yeah then we so there. with the kinship mm-hmm. go, go ahead i'm sorry okay with the kinship care being in place that's just it's a great thing for our families so is we also have something for foster families but now we have we can get the family more involved because that's what defects is we're family oriented we want to get the family involved and keep the family involved. Yeah, absolutely. And that was my experience in New Jersey. Although I think that in some instances, it, you know, it, it, it was family at all costs. So 
the child could have been in care for years and uncle in Kalamazoo suddenly shows up and they just move the kid, you know, to an uncle they never knew or whatever, all for the sake of, you know, saying, well, we want it, we want the child with family. And, but I think that is so important that family is able to get resources so that they can, you know, help raise, raise this child. Cause it's, it's not cheap. It's, it's really not cheap. Um, what's the conversation like for individuals who come in wanting to be, you know, prospective foster parents, but their intention is to foster to adopt? How is that different? And are you involved in that in any way? Yes, it's really typically the same process with fostering and adopting. Those are all type of placements. Kinship, kinship providers, foster care. And adoption all have to go through the same process. Everybody okay. has to have a home study completed as well as impact completed. Okay. Now, personal opinion, again, outside of my professional opinion, I recommend all individuals to foster prior to adopting. This is why. These children are strangers to you. Okay? They're cute. They're precious. They're fulfilling. They're but they're strangers to you. You have to give yourself time to get to know this child, build a bond with this child. Mm-hmm. Now you can fuck this child and still adopt. Right, right. Still adopt this child, okay? Right. But don't, if you never foster anybody before, because you have children, number one, when you a child come into foster care, they have already been through what we call trauma. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have been separated from their biological family, placed in a, a, a home or a place that, that is new to them. They don't know anybody. They don't, they probably not accustomed to school, yeah. neighbors, routines interrupted. Yeah, absolutely. So these you you don't know how these children will respond. Right. Okay. You don't know how. Their behavior will change. Yes. You don't know how their outlook on the world change. You have some children being neglected, left at home by their mom, not fed every day, but they still want to go home. Yeah, that's true. But they, they know it's home. So with these foster parents, they all um come. See, people think that, oh, come get a baby. I'm gonna adopt a baby. I want a little baby. Hardest to adopt to. <laughs> Correct. Okay. Yes. Children ages. A child doesn't um, become eligible for adoption until around the age of five. Oh, Children age. Right? Yes. Legally and right. free of adoption. Now legally they'll tell you legally free. You have to tell them because you have like what's called legal risk adoption. That means that hey. They are able for adoption, but at any time, a family member can come say, that's what, let me tell you, that's what I wish New Jersey would do and make Mm -hmm. that distinction. And, you know, I'm not trying to beat up on New Jersey, but that's my experience. Although I'm, I'm from New York, I had some dealings with foster care when I used to be a school leader as a principal, but as someone who was involved in being a foster parent, they did not really tell you because even when the children were legally free in New Jersey, if a family member comes, they can still take them. Even if they were in your home and they were legally free in New Jersey, if a family member came, they could still take them. You could be on the eve of adoption. See, in, 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 in yes, and that's partially true in Georgia too. Legally, legal risk means that they still have the option of being adopted. Now, adoption is a finalized until it's finalized. Right. Exactly. So if if strange situation occurs, mysteriously, right. mom gets her life together, change her life, do everything she wants to do prior to your adoption being finalized. Yes, yes. that is a possibility. That mom can come back and regain custody if mom rights haven't been terminated. Most times in Georgia, for a child to be legally free of adoption, both parents' rights have been terminated. Right. That's my understanding as well. And if they have exhausted resources. Yes, exactly. Right. 
Yeah. So, so, but could, even if parent parental rights have been terminated for both parents, right? You have a child in a home and they are on track for adoption. Can a grandparent come an yes. uncle, a, you know, an older sibling or somebody? Yes. Come and, yeah. Just yeah. imagine. Do you, do you have children? I don't. Okay. Do you have nieces and nephews? Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's say you have a niece and nephew and let's just say for instance, there um are substance abuse users. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're you don't your your sister has passed, which is this child's parent. Your niece's parent, okay. Mm-hmm. And child is in care. Oh, I'm coming to get you know about right? it. You have her, you don't know. <laughs> All right. Let's say you don't know. <laughs> Know this child has been in care then let's say uh yo another brother or sister passed and you at a funeral and you see that your niece don't have her children with her and you're like hey where the kids at they're like oh i auntie i just can't do it i was going through it i was in and out of rehab he's in foster care getting ready to be adopted what would you Ooh, do i'm stepping up right even if it's at the 11th hour i'm stepping up right absolutely and, and that's and- how people think yeah. And you can't begrudge family for that. I think that's a beautiful thing. It really is. But the because other side is keep how that, that adopted parent feeling. Right. It's it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I mean, my situation, the biological mother wanted me to adopt her child and told the court. I mean, we're all on one accord. And then at the last minute, the father's mother stepped in. But she was like 70. She had issues. She had given one child back to the state. And it was like a lot of. Yeah, it was it, it was crazy. I think I'm going to write about it in a book. I think I'm going to write about it. Everybody you that I tell. 70 is old. Everybody that's. Yeah. And and um, my little girl was two. So you can't even really pick her up and carry it. Not that she couldn't walk. But, if you know, she's she's still a baby. Right. So, yeah, and we're talking life expectancy, right? You're 70, she's two. How long are you going to be around? God willing, even if you live to 90, right? And now she's 22 and maybe she's out of college. But how much care could you provide as you're getting older and older? But anyway, needless to say, my point is, is that I think that for me, one of the things that needs to happen is it just needs to be more transparency, like just be honest with people and be real. Them, yes, be real. Be in impact, I teach impact. Anybody yeah. that knows me that's taking my impact class, they would tell you I am very transparent. I yeah. will tell people things like that happen. Yes, because yes. people have that notion that it does not happen. It, it can't happen. All the it time. happens. And it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. It's it heartbreaking all the time, and it is. It is. It is heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, and it was. Yeah, it was very traumatic, and it was very traumatic for you know, from you know, for my little one. It was. It was crazy. It was really. But had crazy. you known that in advance, and been you would have prepared yourself for it. Well, you know, it's interesting because she had declined to take her because she was two. Originally. Grandmother had declined more than once. And then all of a sudden, because the division got this new policy initiative of placing children at all costs with family, they pushed and pushed. Her home wasn't appropriate. They gave her waivers. They did all kinds of things. Yes, they did. They really did. And, and we look, it's not, it's, it, we would love for the child to be with family, but it's not like, we look for the best interest of the child. Of the child. Yeah. Okay. Now, if all of those issues were going on, I I don't know the full story, so I can't give like a mm-hmm. great I just because you gave me a synopsis. But mm-hmm. I, for me and my experience, that wouldn't be the best interest of the child. Yeah. Everybody and said it, the same thing. We had we had um you know the bonding with the psychologist studies we had five the child doing now i don't really know i don't know like i uh the godmother um will send me pictures from time to time but that's it i i don't the grandmother is like but we had like bonding evaluation we had like five bonding evaluations psychologists were like that's her that's that's her um 
she sees her as her mother. If you move mm-hmm. her, it's going to cause her trauma. She had been moved six times before she got to me at eight months. Right. And that's, and that, and that's so crucial for children because yes. children zero to three throughout Georgia, we make them go through what's called the babies can't wait assessment. Mm. Because when you're away from your mom, that attachment, it yep. plays a crucial role Critical. with foster children. Yeah. And, and I don't think people realize that. People they don't, don't realize think about that. it because the child can't speak and say, you know, but yeah. I don't feel the same love. I'm not nurtured. Right. And that's why we consider children zero to three most vulnerable. Yeah. That's why another reason why they are less likely to be eligible for adoption until you want to try to keep them stable. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No problem. Children ages five to nine. Those are what's called school age children. Those children are the ones that mostly typical eligible for adoption. Mm -hmm. By the time of 14, if a child isn't adopted, their likelihood to be adopted has decreased by almost 50%. Yeah. So I always recommend my adoption. Yeah, I recommend my adoption parents to always um, start at kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Luckily, some people do look up sometimes and get babies, but I always tell people to start at uh, yeah. four and five. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And they're just adorable. They're still impressionable. You still can they make are. an impact on their lives at they that are. at that age. And, you know, and, and it's so important. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I'm hoping, you know, my thing is I, I just want to push for more transparency on my end. You know, I'm looking for ways in which to you know, impact the system in that way. And in particular, I don't know what they do here in Georgia, but um, in New Jersey, foster parents are not allowed in court during the proceedings, except for when they speak and then they have to leave. So when questions are asked about how the child is doing or statements are being made, the foster parent's not there to verify who's with the child every day, but you can't be in the courtroom to give you know, the feedback and to provide the judge with the necessary information so as to make a, you know, decision. I know myself as a judge, I need all the evidence before I make a decision. I'm I'm expecting everybody to come. I'm expecting you're under oath. You're going to tell me the truth. And then I'm going to take the totality of that information and then render a decision. So in, in those cases, unfortunately, they don't get all the information. They really don't because the foster parents are allowed then. They don't, but in Georgia, I've never seen a foster parent deri- um, deprived the opportunity to go to court because that's who we want to hear from. We also have panel meetings with foster parents with, prior to court where the case manager, the foster parent, no, everyone is there. I tell people it starts in impact. Yeah. Foster parents. It yeah. starts in impact class. You have to ask question Absolutely. your case manager is going to be your best friend hopefully you yeah. hopefully and if she's not you need to make her supervise your best friend yeah okay yeah you have to ask questions in advance like when don't settle for well we'll just see how things go exactly that's I'll usually you know <laughs> <laughs> Listen, don't settle verbatim verbatim <laughs> we'll just see how things go yes no, let's plan exactly. i need to know in advance but see it's, it's almost kind of like that un that unspoken saying is um what you don't know won't hurt you and it does hurt you that's a lie <laughs> i need to know <laughs> you need to know And I think with all that information, you'll have foster parents who have a better experience and who then in turn will tell other people, listen, it was a good experience. You should go ahead and foster. You know, we have so many uh, single people who haven't had children or people who have maybe one child and they'd love for them to have a sibling in the home and just all those kinds of things. And, but, you know, and having the conversation, you know, it might not be permanent, but this is something you can do to help a child and bring, you know, some love Correct. in your home. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Correct. Absolutely. And you have to, and you, and people, once people know that and know what they're getting themselves mm-hmm. into, what to expect, 
how to prepare themselves for it. And I also had the resources and the tools. I needed to be able to know I could call my case manager at three o'clock in the morning if this child decides to run away. Exactly. And they answer the phone. Right. They don't run away that often, people. Don't (laughs) don't be scared. Don't be scared, but (laughs) I'm being real. Right. It happens more than Okay, okay. It, it, it happens more than people speak on in regards to these foster children and behavior outbursts in the yeah, home. Yeah. But if foster parents are prepared for it, like if we have a child that's having a mental health breakdown, they know, hey, you could call the Georgia crisis line. Exactly. Not the police. The crisis Please. line will come out there to the home. They are trained mental health professionals that can assist you with this child. Okay, say that again. You went out slightly. They can assist you with de-escalating this child. Yes. Mm -hmm. Compared to the police officers, they don't know your neighbor. Right. You know, or your case manager ain't answering. Your your false fair know, okay, well, my case manager didn't answer. Her supervisor didn't answer. What do I do now? Right. If they know what to do, then it's, compared yeah. to you see how many foster parents trying to calm children down right hurting themselves or sometimes even hurting the child trying yeah. to restrain the child even yeah. though you know foster yes. parents are not to do any type of discipline and physically right. to a child right but when you're trying to prevent the child from hurting themselves are Which, you yeah is it's that restraining difficult. a child is it, difficult but if they have the tools the training the resources exactly they can exactly. limit exactly so i agree i agree wholeheartedly with you about being transparent yeah. but also not about just being transparent but also making these resources available to these foster parents so they can continue to want to foster so quickly we got two more minutes talk about some of the resources so i know one is the stipend I know that there's a monthly stipend that the family will get for the child. What other kinds of resources and, and supports might be available for a foster parent? There's several clothing banks mm-hmm. for foster children. Um, actually, I know about one, the mattress factory. That um, It's a furniture place to sell mattresses. Yes. If a child is in foster care, they would give a child in foster care mattresses. Oh, wow. Okay. That's awesome. Correct. A, a free mattress. So if you can't afford a bed, go get the frame and let them give you the mattress. Okay. okay? They have um, um, a mayor group. All foster children have a mayor group insurance. They give them free boys and girls clubs. Okay. That's after school care and summer care. They also give them free membership into Boys and Girls Scouts, which is during school and after school. They have resources for foster children that stay in care after 18. The the department will pay for children to go to college. Yeah, people don't realize that they don't. They don't know that people think at 18 children so burnt out because they'd have been in 50, 60 different homes. They just ready to be on their own. But if you stay in care. The department will pay for you to go to school. school. There's several resources out okay. there available. Um, you can look actually on the department website. Uh, is all you can look on dhs.ga.gov DHS. as well as ga.gov. Okay. Yeah, dhs.ga.gov, and there's several resources on there as well. And Google, mm-hmm. Google foster families, foster um resources. A lot of private agencies in throughout Georgia offer resources for children um they free um they feed children they take them on vacations they annual trips um the bigger agency does um they have charities for foster children yeah please look into it It, the help is there we just need you guys thank (laughs) you tiana listen i want to thank you so much for coming on I yes, really ma'am. appreciate it. I'm sure that so many people have learned so much about the system and the process. And, and you know, my heart's desire is that more parents and more, you know, people, families will get involved in fostering uh, children. If you can, please tell us how can folks get in contact with you and your okay. agency? 
Yes, ma'am. Again, you can actually Google us um, at Building Bridges uh, Between Families, LLC. I'm going to give you my direct contact information. The number is area code 404-565-4849. That's my direct contact information because I'm always available for anyone who needs assistance with throughout the foster care process. Uh, the business email is buildingbridgesenterprise at gmail.com. I typically respond to emails in 24 to 48 hours. You can feel free to contact me on social media as well at Building Bridges Between Families LLC. Um, that's on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, I Typically, I'm getting new to the social media platform. I'm yeah. more so um, a direct person, an email, phone call, text message type of person. But I want each and every one on here to feel free to contact me. If you have just a general question in regards to the foster care process, or you have an issue with the foster care process, if I can't help you, maybe I can direct you to someone who can. I just look forward to everyone joining the team, because we are a team and we are. you guys are needed. Um, we love everyone that wants to be foster parents. We just need more of you to come join us yes oh, thank you so much beautiful my pleasure I appreciate you god bless thanks you thanks for having me absolutely having me. okay i appreciate it i love what you're doing and keep up the good work you have a thank good day you so anyway. much you too bye bye Thank you for joining me, Judge Adrian Loy, here in the No Judgment Zone. I hope you enjoyed our latest podcast. Please follow on all platforms where you access your favorite podcasts. This is Judge Adrian Lloyd, and I am Anne's daughter. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the No Judgment Zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd are solely of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent any entity or other individual. The No Judgment Zone with Judge Adrian Lloyd is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy any of the information contained in this podcast. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to inform and entertain. This podcast does not constitute legal or other professional advice or services.